welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by my awesome co-hosts this week. Laura Nash. And Reagan's twin brother, Shane Kelly. This week we are talking about a game called Gris. At least I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Gris? Gris? It's, I don't speak French. It is the French or Spanish word for gray. So people it's who French. speak other gonna, languages. I'm going to guess. It's French, I think. Don't do they do a lot of silent S's? It could be like gris. Gris. Sure. I bet you're right. I am going to persist in pronouncing it gris because that is how it looks to me on the page. Uh, this game is out on the Nintendo Switch and also on Steam for PC. It took about three hours to complete. Uh, does somebody want to give a little bit of a description of what this game is, why we played it? I would be happy to, yeah. So this is a game that I would say fits pretty neatly into the kind of light platforming genre. It is a game about a young girl with a very cute blue bob haircut uh, who is exploring a world that is populated with things like giant statues and birds. In the game, the world opens up and it's all gray. And as you keep exploring and you uh, unlock more and more mechanics and more of the world, you also are introducing color back in. And so um, it starts off gray, like the title, if you speak other languages, and then it starts getting infused with these watercolor watches of more and more colors introduced back in. Your achievements are actually colors. Tiny spoiler. Very Pleasantville. Yeah, it's a it's a really evocative and uh, kind of beautiful visual game that uh, comes across with you know pretty much no danger or combat. Uh, it's entirely um, you know a, a visual experience. I don't think there's any words in the game, uh, so it's it's a game that I think almost anyone with an appreciation for kind of uh, light platforming and and beautiful art will enjoy. Yeah, the developer description, I don't love it, but there's a few things in it that I, I think hate are... the developer description. Don't let it fool you guys. <laughs> yeah, what, okay, maybe you want to take it, Laura. What, what, is, what about the developer description didn't work for you? I think the developer description does an excellent job in making me not want to play this game. I It opens up with a very... It, it not only shows, not tells... But it also, to me, starts off with something that is not the point of the game. Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and read it here and then we can we can discuss. So the developer description, Gris is a hopeful young girl lost in her own world, dealing no. with a painful experience <laughs> in her life. Her journey no. through sorrow is manifested in her dress, which grants new abilities to better navigate her faded reality. No. Stop, As, stop, stop. Just okay. don't. Don't poison yeah, not our listeners really. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it really captures what this game is. First of all... Um, so her name is Gris? Yeah, apparently. It doesn't matter. But, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. A lot of this doesn't matter. Uh, a lot of this doesn't really connect with what I sort of experienced the game as here. You know, Dealing with her own painful experience in her life, her journey is uh, through sorrow is manifested in her dress. It's all... It's all basically saying that this is a a game where the you're going to be doing some light platforming uh, and some very light puzzle solving. Um, but the main thrust here is to experience a artistic, aesthetic, emotional journey. 
Its second paragraph does a much better job in my mind. It calls it a serene and evocative experience, free of danger, frustration, or death, meticulously designed world, delicate art. All of those things are true. Just for the love of God, just skip that first paragraph. It's garbage. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they're not doing a great job of kind of putting their their actual strength forward here, which is that it is a gorgeous game. It is one of the most artistically and just from an animation standpoint, artistically accomplished uh, 2D platformers I've ever seen. It, it's got some incredibly attractive art, looks good in screenshots, looks even better in motion. When you see some of these things like the, the dress ruffling in the wind or the motion of some of the enemies that are these sort of smoky, spirally, swirly clouds of stuff. These animators know how to swirl. They know how to make swirls and squiggles. They can just illuminate the world with some colored tints. They can swirl. They can um, float beautifully. And that's ultimately my thing about this game is um, I love living in the beauty of the world. So I've, it was funny. I was looking at other people's reviews of the game and um, it's one of the few things that I've loved that I agree with almost all of the critics who hated it. So I wanted to talk about it because um, I am a sucker for beautiful animation. And I was kind of curious, the game is trying, based on this description, to have us have this really intense moving experience. I didn't have any of that, and I don't care. To me, it's okay that it's kind of empty because it's a beautiful experience. And is that enough for a game? Yeah. So that's, that's exactly what I came away from it with too, Laura, which is that like, it's, it's an artistically really good experience. That's also kind of emotionally neutral for me. Like I, I, I kind of went into this expecting, I mean, just based on their description and the way the game is marketed, I was kind of expecting this to be a personal story with some idea of like what the actual struggles this character is going through, um, you know, I was I was expecting it to be like dialogue light, but I was expecting a little bit more um, in terms of in terms of an emotional story that's conveyed through something other than mere aesthetics. Now, mere aesthetics is undercutting the aesthetics; they're great aesthetics, but it is it is a it is a game carried entirely on its aesthetics. There's almost nothing that I would consider gameplay <laughs> in this, which I think is uh, debatable. But like, it's 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 light platforming to the point that it's it's extremely linear the puzzles are almost not puzzles um and most of the uh, and this is from reagan who is famous for not being good at puzzles yeah yeah did you get stuck on any of these puzzles reagan well actually there there are a couple places i got stuck but they were not on the puzzles so there's something to something to talk about there in a little bit but i think laura your, your question there of like is it enough to have a game that is visually arresting but doesn't have that sort of emotional doesn't involve you on an emotional level particularly in a game where it's it also doesn't have it doesn't have gameplay hooks to keep you involved i'll I'll say that it didn't involve me on a narrative level it did involve me on an emotional level because this was incredibly relaxing the world Hmm. was so lush and beautiful and calming Uh, full disclosure played this hungover on january 1st in the afternoon, ooh, woke up in the afternoon, played this game, really loved it. I played it before the game of the year um, discussion um, in the morning. And I think that it was, if you were in the place where you can sit and absorb something else and don't really want to, you know, you want a 
beautiful, almost passive experience. Like this was perfect because I could do just enough interaction. I could move around. Everything was delightful to me. Um, I was in the right place for it. They say serene experience, and I think that's right on. So, but I did not have any connection to the seven stages of grief, which is what it's supposed to be structured on. To me, it was much more moving. To oh be my like, god, why didn't I get that? You're right. Of yeah, course, I didn't it's realize the seven that stages. Of, oh my god, you're. Yep. Oh. So it, it's it's extremely. It, it really subtle, doesn't give you a lot to like. Except if you manage to get a hidden achievement where you find some hidden statues and you get an achievement that's literally called. The fifth stage of grief, depression. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the achievement <laughs> was like, did you realize the theme? Um, so yeah, that's that's technically what it is. But really, it's every stage unlocks a color. Um, and you go through, you know, you it, it, they match a mechanic. Like at one point, you can turn your dress into a block and you pound down on the ground. And then you unlock red, the color of anger. So if you like color theory... That's all you need. It, it doesn't necessarily tattoo across the sky. You're now angry. It's just like you're doing kind of breaking stuff and the theme is red. You don't really need to go deeper than that. I think if I was talking to the developer, they would probably be very upset with me for not getting their game. But I still loved it because to me, it's just color theory, the game. Yeah. I loved yeah. that. <laughs> I, and the way, I mean, the colors of the game, the, one of the wonderful things about the way that color is used in this game is it's not just like, you know, I, I said Pleasantville kind of flippantly at the start because, you know, it oh, is yeah. kind of a trope to it is have like color coming back into the world or whatever. I, I'm pretty sure we've seen that a few places, but um, the way that the color is used uh, is you know, has to do with the way that this game is kind of visually composited on the screen. Like, you know, it's not just that color appears in the world. Color like flows and floods into the world um, in an animated like liquid form uh, that is, you know, it's if you were to like saturate a piece of paper and then wash it with with watercolor paint, like the way that the paint like swirls and spreads uh, and saturates the page like that effect is used um, ubiquitously and repeatedly in this game. And, you know, it's not just that every surface in the game, every area uh, is alive with uh, movement. Uh, so it is yeah. it is, uh, you know, in, in a gameplay sense, I, I found the world of the game uh, to be very minimally interactive. But in a visual sense, it was every inch of it was alive. And, uh, you know, that was really what ke keeps you going in this game. Like the, the, the absolute beauty of these sort of simple, simple layouts and levels. Yeah. During the game, the best, the best moments in the game, uh, were for me just moving forward and experiencing new art. Every, you know, every screen was different. Every screen had new, beautiful art to, ex to, to see and to, to sort of jump around through. with a lot of copied and pasted generic temple shit. Well, sure. But like, even that yeah. was, it, it was really varied. Um, I, I thought it looked really cool. Uh, it's kind of weird to say that like the best moments in this game were the like hold right and press the jump button kind of semi mindlessly while just sort of taking it all in kind of stuff. But that's sort of where the game worked for me. It was like, I just want to, I just want to walk through this beautiful world. I'm totally all about like left to right the game. If it looks this good, um, where things didn't work as well for me were where it, cause where where it got a little more um frustrating than that 
The other piece, in addition to the watercolor look that I want to shout out is the line work, um, which are the borders around objects, the way that they um, are really just drawing borders around things. The line work is extremely delicate and small. It, it is probably one of the only times I've seen that style in a game. Usually you get something that's a lot more clunkier, a lot thicker lines, a lot bolder look. This is so, so delicate. It really um, is. A reviewer, Alice Bell, said, it is such lines that look like it could blow away. Like, you get the lightness of the animation and the dress. You get all this lightness because everything is, you know, the colors aren't, saturated they're semi-transparent you see white through it you see texture through it the lines are incredibly thin it just gives this such a lightness and delicate touch that to me felt much more like a movie than anything i've ever seen in a game and i've done animation for games and the reason no one does that is because it's so much harder yeah (laughs) it is so much harder to make those lines thin because every mistake shows so i can't even imagine how much time that kind of stuff took Um, I agree. I will pass along a piece of advice that Laura gave me, uh, which I'm glad she gave me when we were getting started, which is don't play this game on handheld mode on Mm. the Switch. I was going to say the exact Uh, same thing. You'll start to lose a lot of that detail. Um, You know, I I played a a couple of, you know, chunks of this game as I was, you know, wanting to, I just wanted to check it out, see how it looked in handheld mode because she said that and you really do lose it. Um, And it comes back to something about the, the style of this game. Um, the game that we've played before for this show that I would most compare this game to, um, was Abzu. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, similar to Abzu visually, this game plays a lot with, uh, scale. There are lots of times where the view pulls dramatically back and your character becomes a tiny portion of the screen uh, you know, for example, she might be cradled in the hand of, a, of an enormous statue or she might be climbing an enormous staircase. And to get that scale, the camera pulls so far back that in handheld mode, uh, you basically can't see her. So I was kind of reminded a couple of times of one of my favorite moments in uh, in video games, which is where you meet the whale uh, in Abzu and you mm. just sort of get this incredible sense of scale for your character. So Abzu is a really good point of comparison. I think that like this belongs to the sort of loose genre of um, aesthetic platformers uh, that would encompass things like Far Lone Sales that we talked about earlier this year, or things like um, the, uh, like Inside or Limbo, um, or, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of them. And they're uh, sort of a genre that we find ourselves covering a lot on this show, because they tend to be something that fits in our, our timeline. It steals a bit of that going to a new place and seeing the wonder of Fez, even though it is a completely different style. Where I think it doesn't quite line up with those other games that I was mentioning, things like I mean, Far Lone Sales is actually the uh, the thing that I was thinking about at the time because Far Lone Sales is also a game where you don't have a whole lot of context on the world. Um, it is mostly a sort of the platforming, at least of it, is mostly very low challenge, sort of left to right. It's not really about a challenge; it's about a journey. It's about experiencing art. It's about experiencing uh, you know a an emotional experience. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, this is not a Farlone Sales cast, but I disagree on that. But okay. we'll continue. Well, what I'm saying there is that like Farlone Sales and in Inside and Limbo and those games, they they have that, but they also have something very unique about them that sets them apart. And I don't know if I feel like aesthetics, which is the thing that sets this game apart, is enough 
to elevate that experience for me. While I was in the process of playing this game, I, I was enjoying the art, but I, I was constantly feeling like, well, surely the the twist or its or its unique expression of its mechanics or something, something must be right around the corner. Um, but it was in terms of its actual mechanics, it stuck very close to it stuck with some very, very basic stuff. It did not surprise me with yeah. its mechanics ever. Reagan, what I think I'm hearing you say is that uh, the mechanics of the game uh, were a little bit too basic. Uh, and I just want to get into uh, and, and, you know, that may be right for some people that may be right, n- not be right for others. But I, I do want to get into what I kind of see as uh, the place where this game really just sort of went with the easiest possible thing. And that is orbs. I am done <laughs> with orbs in video games. It's keys. It's, 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 it's unlocking stuff. Yeah. So a- in any, in any video game, you know, like this one, it, you put a player into a space and okay, how do we ma- make sure that this player experiences our artistic space, uh, you know, in, you know, to the extent that we, the developers want them to. Um, well, let's ensure that they go to all five corners. How do we ensure that they go to all five corners? Well, let's put five glowing orbs for them to collect. Sure. Orbs have a tremendous history in video games. Uh, If you (laughs) go back to Pac-Man, he was trapped in a maze full of orbs. You know, the, the platformers up through the nineties when I was playing games as a kid are all collect-a-thons where like 90% of what you're getting is orbs. Uh, so maybe I'm just a little bit done with grabbing hundreds of orbs, but um, the structure or, of this or game, eight. <laughs> yeah, uh, every new every new spot I would get into, um, I would you know wander around and I'd be like, oh wow, yeah, man, look at this beautiful man, look at that beautiful tower, man. Look <laughs> oh, I can swim now. Look, there's like a really oh, there's fish. There's they're so gorgeous. Oh, there's the orb box. Oh, there's going to be like 10 orbs here. Okay. All right. Start clockwise. Let's go. All right. Here's the job. Yeah. To me, honestly, they didn't need to encourage me to explore the spaces because every time I've landed somewhere, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go all the way to the right and then all the way to the left and just try to go see everything because I liked the world. Uh, they didn't need to make me collect orbs for me to like the world. But I was like, they got to do some gating process, I guess. I think there's sort of two actual failures with with regards to the orbs, not just in this game, in gen- but like I don't know the Shane, concept of the orbs. concept of orbs. And you know, orbs can orbs don't have to be spheres. Orbs can be a lot of things. But That's like the thing, orbs aren't a concept; they're just exactly a, a counter. They are the most semantically null choice that they could possibly have made in in this game. Like they they could have made the orbs anything else. So there's there's two failures here. There's a mechanical failure and also an aesthetic failure. And just from the aesthetic standpoint, this game has great aesthetics, but like, couldn't Candies. it have picked something more interesting than orbs, than glowing spiritual orbs? I mean, I know that you know last year <laughs> orbs had a hot year with like uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? But like, that yeah. doesn't oh mean God, that so orbs, orbs are back. That was an exception. And like, orbs are still old and tired. Like, aesthetically, Bad choice on the orbs. They could have done something inter- more interesting. But then also mechanically, orbs are a failure to design something better than that. Like, were they supposed <sighs> to be stars? I mean, yeah, I guess they were stars. But they're basically orbs. Yeah, <laughs> they're floating mystical orbs that are stars. I understand. I'm just trying to like figure out the the origin of the 
the bad decision is they were probably like, oh, you'll collect stars. And it sounds so magical, but visually they're just balls of light, yeah, which are or power pellets. Every, they're power, they're, they might as well be coins. I completely feel you on that. A coin is just a flat orb. You heard it here first. <laughs> Time is a flat orb. <laughs> if you're making a video game and you're thinking about putting in orbs, get help. Think about any of the other art assets that you happen to have lying around and just use that. Flowers. Strawberries. You strawberries. know what? S- strawberries, like, it. I, I don't want to compare this game to Celeste because they're very different, but like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> strawberries. Hell, why not? Like, oh, <sighs> fuck orbs. Yeah. I think we can we can chill on orbs. I think we've pretty much... We pretty much orb-shamed this game to death. We've done our type um, five on orbs. You're right. And yeah. orbs are actually not a huge part. Of, I mean, yeah, it's the gating mechanic, but they're not that important to the game, to That's be true. honest. They are, That's true. I don't, Laura, you're insane. They are the central mechanic of this game. They, if this game has a mechanic, it is collecting orbs. Mm. They are central to this game. I don't, I think if you talk to uh, 15 people and we're like, what is the point of this game? They'd be like, it is to kind of walking around and enjoy the thing. I don't think anyone would be like, it's, but they're it's the an key. Orb collecting it's game. like saying no, it's the not. point of a game is to get the key. Like it, it's not the point of the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, the point of the game is to get past the door, not to get the key. Yes. Well, what you're describing is a massive uh, mechanical failure of the game because the, the only mechanic that this game has is orbs and it's no, not, I think we're no, I think that's not that's true. Not we're not blowing true. that way out of mechanics proportion. Okay, okay. Are, it also, I, that is saying the fetch quest is the, that is the ultimate outcome. I don't think that's the main mechanic of the game because honestly you like, it's, it's a lot of the exploration. It is that it's, you get like little mini powers that are basically like unlocks or weights or things like that. You Your are dress transforms. Like, yeah, you it, turn your dress into different shapes. Yes, you turn yes, your dress yes. into different shapes to explore the environment. And by exploring the environment, you're rewarded with orbs that make you explore more environments. I think the orbs are agreed, a really banal choice for a game that's super creative. But I don't so think Laura, they're the So Laura, we've BLL decided then game. it's a Metroidvania. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> the simplest possible there's no backtracking really yeah it, do, it doesn't even allow i was actually frankly kind of expecting backtracking in this game but there is, it doesn't even allow it you can't go back to replay previous levels for example without going back to the like stage select screen well because you transform the world no that would have been an easy way to get more frustrated yeah <laughs> would have been an easy way to get more orbs <laughs> You could. It, it, it's basically you transform the world and it's inherently different. I think you're actually revisiting some of the places you've been before, but now that you have blue, you have water. Or That's like now true. that you have green, yeah. you have plants. So it feels like a completely different environment, even though you're probably on the same level with another layer turned on. It, listeners, if you have thoughts on this, uh, tweet at us, hashtag orbpinions. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we want to hear yeah, from you. Yeah, orbs are the MacGuffin of this game, and it's tired, but it's it's still MacGuffin. You know, okay, apart from the orbs, I do have one other thing that I kind of want to talk about in terms of, like, where I ran into trouble with this game. Because like you, Laura, I thought it was visually gorgeous. And given that it's only three hours, like, I sat through a lot uh, less involving things for three hours. Like, I, I was yeah. very involved in experiencing the art that this game wanted to show me. And three hours is exactly the right length of time for that to take. Um, there were very, very few places where I found myself getting frustrated or, or uh, you know, having, having difficulty with the game. Um, you know, it, it is 
from a mechanical standpoint, fairly easy. There's no enemies really to speak of. There's no death exactly. There's a couple places where you can potentially die, but it's very rare. Um, you can't where, die. Uh, no, you can. Uh, I am. Can't. I'm pretty sure that I got killed by one of the like the eel thing, at least once. You can't. You're not. Yeah, this game is actually like it's like on everything that you cannot die. I, I think like, what it did then was it like it kind of reset my col- lo- my my position or something like that. Maybe huh. I didn't die. Interesting. But I got caught up on some geometry at one point. I didn't even know you could do that. I think you might have crashed. I, don't I know. <laughs> no, I was overtaken by the eel, and oh, okay, it um it. I don't remember exactly what it did, but I interpreted it as a death. I, I think maybe it just mm. sort of like reset the moment or something. But I mean, that, what's what's the difference there? Anyway, long story short, there's very few opportunities to be truly frustrated in this game. And that's part of its design. You know, this is a game about showing you, uh, taking you on a on a uh, artistic journey. It's not about uh, challenging you at every turn. So there's very few places where you're going to find yourself challenged by the game. Exactly. That's not really the point. Um, but what that did mean for me was that the, the places where I did find myself um, having difficulty with the game didn't feel like part of the game. They felt like mm. m- they felt like issues in the design more than like a challenge I was supposed to overcome. And so that led to me feeling actually pretty frustrated with them just from a from a like perspective of like, well, this shouldn't be like this. What what is this game doing? So a couple of things that that were kind of roadblocks to the artistic enjoyment of the game for me. One is that the game has really beautiful art that is on a sort of a three plane kind of design. It's got, you know, the, the main plane that your character is on and platforms that you can jump on. And then it also has background and foreground layers. It does some parallax to kind of indicate what's on which layer, but actually not as much parallax as you would expect with something like this. And there is a lot of situations in the game, like a whole lot almost constant, almost every screen, there's going to be some objects where you really have to look at it and try to tell whether it's a foreground or background element or something that you can interact with by jumping on. I found a lot of times where I tried to jump on top of something and fell straight through it because it was actually background art um, or, or foreground. And I got kind of frustrated with that a few times. Like there were a few times where I was, okay, I, I think I can make this jump. And it's like, oh, nope, you were just jumping into nowhere. And now you've just jumped off of a tall tower. You have to climb that tower again, that kind of thing. Um, And then there was also a lot of times in the game where it just wasn't clear how you were supposed to progress. Um, You know, there's, okay, I'm in an area. There's eight orbs, presumably, that I've got to collect. Uh, Where is the last orb? And I feel like some of these spaces are quite large. I feel like I've explored the whole space. Obviously, I've missed an orb somewhere. Um, most of the game is fairly linear, but there's these moments where it opens up and you have a whole area to explore in a sort of a non-linear fashion, or at least sort of like explore this area at your leisure until you've collected enough orbs to turn those orbs into a little bridge that you can cross, that kind of thing. Um, and there were a few times in this game where I had like five out of six orbs, for example, and just hunted over the same area back and forth, top to bottom, three or four times. And when I got into those moments, I actually find myself getting pretty frustrated with the game. Um, they didn't last long. Uh, and in a, in a game that is that was more sort of oriented around challenging you, I think these would have barely counted as a challenge. You know, they were not, not incredibly difficult moments or anything. But in a game where I was expecting zero challenge and a purely aesthetic experience, those moments felt like failures of design. Like they felt really frustrating by comparison. And I didn't love them. So those 
those were kind of actually a big roadblock for me. I don't know if you guys experienced anything like that. I I absolutely did. Yeah. But I can see that happening. I think I also have a really bad TV, so I generally (laughs) don't have the problems of, honestly, like the background wasn't super crisp on my TV, so I didn't have the problems you did. To me, the foreground was a really nice, just extra animation when it would kind of, um, you know, like a black tree would go across and you'd see a little animal skimper behind it. Like that was just kind of a, a nice extra moment. I didn't have foreground, um, the playable ground and background problems I've had nearly to say like Bacchanarium. But mm. I can see that if that was, again, it, I, I, Hey, really, it, it's, I cannot it understand not, how bad it my might, TV might is. It might just be so. my eyes or it also might be just my expectations. You know, that when I see a big black thing yeah. that arches up out of the ground, I think, oh, I can climb that thing. But no, that and was I tend to have the opposite problems where I, I assume a lot of things are background that are actually interactable. So mm. like, I think it's just expectations of I've, I've been burned. I, I've been burned too many times. So I tend to think that things aren't interactable unless I see something I can't reach. And I'm like, oh, I, that probably is a branch I can jump on. Mm. Um, I tend to maybe think less of the playable backgrounds. <laughs> like, I think it's just playing style. And I completely understand how you would get that. To me, yeah. when I would be up frustrated is I'd be going on my merry way. And then sometimes a cutscene would start and the way they trigger it is they put these black bars on the screen and they go to mm. a widescreen aspect ratio. Fans of Westworld know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I'm not a fan of Westworld, but I still watched all of it. Um, <laughs> but it moved down, and and then suddenly you're in a, a cutscene, and I would get kind of sad because I would sometimes think I was the beginning of cutscene still feels like gameplay, so I would still be trying to do stuff, and then you move in and out. To me, that was that was the main time when I wasn't sure what they were doing from an interaction design standpoint. But I completely understand how you would have those problems. My issues weren't with the kind of spotting where I could land and 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 things like that. That was actually quite clear to me. Uh, but I definitely had the experience of having to uh, backtrack and and retrace my steps to kind of re-explore a lot of these areas. Um, you know, this is a game where you are floating through it, you know, enjoying like, you know, the the environment and things like that. And that does lend itself to getting a little bit lost, which I guess is, you know, maybe part of the intent. But, I, you know, I I was ready to move on and, and get from the blue spot to the green spot or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I had to be very intentional about, you know, okay, so I'm going to start here at the bottom. Uh, now I'm going to work my way clockwise up and around and over. And wait, I'm back where I started. Where is that last dot? What did I miss? So... Uh, that's the kind of experience that I, I ran into a few times. And it definitely kind of pulled me a little bit out. Those were the kinds of times where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just put this down for now. Uh, I'll come back to this later. I would have loved it if the gate was only... Um, the way I would change it is I would make it so you only require three, but they show that there's 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would make the requirement very low. So if you were ready to move on, you could. But if you wanted to continue collecting you knew there were 10 available. It's something they do in a ton of yeah. casual games. Like that's that, that'd be my change. I, I, if I were to change it, I would change the, the, like you have X number of dots board that they tend to put at the center of these big areas. When I was retracing my steps, probably the first time I had to really get smart about it. I went back to that board and I thought, Oh, well I've got the three that are in the upper right. So that means I must have to go down to the lower left where I don't have the dots. 
uh, no, it doesn't work like that. They just fill in from the upper right on the dot board. Ah, mm. it doesn't match the geography. Yeah, that, exactly. That would also so, and I lot. had, and that was a that was a mistake I made that led to me retracing my steps wrong. Uh, so I would just make it work the way that I thought it worked, which I think. Would make more sense. <laughs> so, my big question of the game is: for me, I was able to put up with a lot of. Uh, less deep content because I was so enjoying the art style, the animation and living in this world and the interactivity of exploring it. Um, I know that's not the same for everybody, but to me, kind of the big gap of this is some people really felt narratively moved and felt like this, you know, what I interpreted as a color story was um, about grief, about the stages of grief. Um, So I'm not sure which, as you guys heard at the beginning, you guys didn't get. So clearly, if the narrative was supposed to be the point of this game, it failed. To me, it's enough without it. But I- I'm curious about how that happened for everybody. Yeah, honestly, the only way that I knew this game was supposed to be about someone dealing with a painful experience in her life is because that was in the first sentence of the description of the game on the store page. I, I did not, like, I don't, I didn't feel like I connected with the character in a narrative level at all. Um, And I mean, apart from the painful experience being like, oh, I was singing and then I'm not able to sing anymore. I guess that's the painful experience. Obviously, this is metaphorical. This is trying to tell a story about grief um, through a sort of a metaphorical lens. Or loss, yes. Yeah, Um, to me, it's actually about loss and it thinks it's about grief, but yes, that's, I don't know. That's a, yeah, exactly. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like what I, I kept expecting to be able to be given some sorts of hints so that I could infer something more about the story other than this is a purely metaphorical, uh, or allegorical exploration of loss or grief. Um, I, I kept expecting to get some hints about like a larger world outside of the game or, hints about the personality of the main character that would give me something more to latch onto. Cause I am a hundred percent there for, um, metaphorical or allegorical storytelling. Um, but I, I, I guess I, I guess I was just really looking for something more to latch onto there. I had, I, I was completely unable to infer anything about the story based on what they gave us. You know, this is the game equivalent of reading the Chronicles of Narnia books when you're a kid and you think it's about fantasy stuff and then you read it as an adult and you're like, these books are so obviously about Jesus. How did I miss this? (laughs) Because once you read someone saying, this is a metaphor for grief and you just think back to the game, you're like, oh yeah, it's incredibly obvious. Like everything- Like when you put you for that lens, you're like, yeah, all the statues are kind of grieving. There's like the colors are in the right order. Like it's actually like literally like her grief manifests her and knocks her down at one point. Like it becomes really obvious once you know what's about. But to me, I think the game is better when you don't know what it's about because I didn't want to play a downer game. I can see that. So maybe that's why I liked it so much, because I didn't really want to go on an exploration of grief. And so I didn't. <laughs> and the game let well, you do which that, is which weird. is great. Like, You're right. Yeah. I, I like the game more because I played it not as the developer intended. 
That's a, that's interesting because like you're right. It's it doesn't require that you feel the grief of the main character or anything like that. And and it's not like beating you over the head with like, and it turns out she had a son that died or something like that. It's like, it, it doesn't beat you over the head with that stuff. It's, uh, but it also doesn't, if that is what you're looking for, it doesn't give you anything to hook onto. So like if you're, no. if you're there for a narrative experience of grief, there is almost nothing of that here. Um, this is purely like an aesthetic experience of grief, which is a really interesting thing. I just, I don't know. Like I, I was not, I wasn't expecting it to be that. And I, I was continually looking out for something to latch on to that I never well, found. Reagan, you compared it to Journey. And I mean, in so much as Journey has a story, it's about uh, going from, it, it's a it's a metaphorical story in, mm. in, in that you're, you know, your character's arc is one of moving from like uh, heaviness to, to weightlessness, which is, you know, a very useful metaphor for all sorts of things. Um, and here, I guess and it's the same. if you read an like, academic really... article on the hero's journey, so much the better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it, to me, it makes it works as a character arc, even though it's not really a narrative one. We we have this sense of becoming free from something because we're you know gaining more and more freedom of movement and more and more kind of freedom to act and you know explore. So I mean, that part definitely does work on that level and it's, uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a good comparison too because like Journey uh, Journey has equally, uh, you know, essentially meaningless narrative. It's exclusively an aesthetic. Uh, it's got a little bit more going on mechanically, I think, I would argue. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely got that same sort of vibe. Um, and I loved that game. I, I felt differently about this one. I don't know why. Maybe you need a friend to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, that's a huge part of it. Like the the discovery in Journey. Uh, spoilers for Journey. Skip ahead thirty seconds. The, the experience in Journey of uh, of realizing that you were being joined by other actual human people made that like the theme of. Can, it it tied the theme of like going from heavy to light and the theme of like coming together with other people uh, together and actually made that feel like I was connecting with something on a personal level. Um, whereas this game never quite did that for me. Yeah. the One of the reasons I was really excited to have other people play it is um, the reviews for this game are all over the map because yeah, you, simulta- yeah, you simultaneously have I mean, Rock, Paper, Shotgun alone had three different people review it at different stages. One person loved it. One person hated it. And the other person thought that the problem wasn't that it was too abstract. She thought it was extremely obvious and she really liked it. So literally Hmm. the same publication had three opposite viewpoints. Other people have written about how this was a huge thing for helping them deal with grief. People are also saying, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with grief. I just, it's, they have what's that quote from uh the creator of uh i'm sorry that that quote from from the creator of celeste comes to mind for that if this game helped you then it was you that helped yourself yes there was no magic feather (laughs) it it feels very much like a a, there's a bunch of this feels like it happens in movies all the time where you see a movie and everyone has a different interpretation of what happened um that doesn't happen in games that often for what it's worth we have this it's not trying to be a mystery. They just made it so 
obvious or not explicit that we don't really know what happened. Yeah, I think other other mediums are more uh, used to leaving things up to interpretation and are sometimes more willing to let something work for some people and not others or you know, have some people get it and not others. Like games don't do that that often. So that is something to be commended. Uh, even if it's if I'm one of the people that maybe it didn't work for exactly like I can I can respect that as a as a philosophy behind creating this very personal piece of work. So that's cool. It's a uh, Schrodinger's video game. I guess it's I mean, in a world of good and bad endings. This game just kind of is content to let you get what you get out of it. Yeah, I, I think so. And I would suggest people play this game. Like, I think it's a beautiful aesthetic experience. It's three hours, which is not much. You know, you can you can play this in, an, in a single sitting. I would encourage as much of it, at least play through a color at a time. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, back out halfway through a color because otherwise you'll probably have to start over that whole section. And, and even if you don't, you probably would be a little lost. But I think I played it through all in two sittings. So um, that, that was that was good. If I could have played it through in one, I think that would have been even better if I had time. So I picked this as my kind of not in our top five game of the year, but my thing that I think I liked more than other people because I really like living in this world. And I think that if you've listened this far, you know if you're the person this game is for, to be honest. I watch a trailer, and if that seems like your jam, it probably is. Just don't expect to be breaking down in tears at any time in the game. And I think you'll have a good time with it. Yeah, and don't expect a deeply mechanical experience either. I don't think there's any indication from the description or anything like that, that that's what you'd be in for here. But if you were thinking yeah. this was going to be a Celeste-style game of uh, of combining uh, theme with mechanics, uh, it is not that. It is, it is combining theme and aesthetics. Uh, mechanics are a distant third. I posted the trailer and multiple people asked me if I would like to go to the movies to see it with them. <laughs> it's a game. Like that's how little interaction there can be in this game. When the trailer made people think it was an anime that I was asking people to go see. So <laughs> take that for what it is. <laughs> uh, I think this podcast, even covering Gris may, may be all for naught because I, I think that our, uh, if I'm wrong, uh, you can contact me with uh, hashtag you're wrong. Uh, but, uh, I think our listeners are for the most part, people who are play a lot, who play a lot of games and are into games. And the, this is not the kind of game I would recommend to, to those people. This is a game I wouldn't recommend to more the gamer set. I would say if you're maybe an artist or if you are someone who, you know, enjoyed games as a kid, but also just loves, uh, you know, the beauty of uh, painting or, uh, or needs a chill few minutes, you know, while you wait for a train, um, you know, that this is this is maybe the game for those people. Yeah, and I'm glad that. This yeah, I was going to say, Shane, I, I'm not sure. Go ahead, Laura. Really? I, I think, okay. Well, no, I, I think that. Yes. If you so I said more hashtag. I disagree with Shane. That's the that's the hashtag. So you yeah, can that, that's also the hashtag. No, I, I just disagree that um, 
people who play a lot of games wouldn't like this. I think that it is much more like if you're going and expecting a full-fledged platformer, that's not going to be your thing, but it is more like a Florence in that yeah. the mechanics are very light and a lot of what is delightful will be surrounding what you're doing mechanically. Yeah. Not I, the mechanics themselves. I think if you liked Florence, this is actually probably, that's probably a really good pitch for this game. I, I did like Florence probably a little more than I liked this because I think the narrative was something I was more able to easily connect with. But if mm-hmm. you did like Florence, I think this is probably something that you should at the very least take a look at um, because it's, it's a similarly like a, a, a you know, a chill uh, mechanics light aesthetic experience of a almost, I mean, Florence is even a little shorter than this, but like similarly short length. Um, and yeah, I, I think to kind of, to kind of um, uh, contradict something that you said, Shane, I, I think our, our audience for this show loves games like this, loves games that uh, may not necessarily appeal to the gamer demographic, so to speak. I hate that word. And Etc. But uh, but that that are you know artistic experiences presented as games. I think that's something that the short game audience is totally all about. We've covered a lot of stuff that falls into that uh, into that category. And if not, we also do other games. So yes. something for everybody except me who doesn't play shooters. <laughs> you can <laughs> yell at me all you want. When is the last time we did a shooter on this show? It's been a while. Super hot. I I I agitated for. Uh, Titanfall 2. Uh, all of us played it, and then you never scheduled us to record on it. Hey, I'm not the only one who schedules these episodes, Shane. If you want to do an episode on Titanfall 2, I will show up. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna wrangle it because I did not it's like that game. It's been forever now. You've forgotten everything you played. I haven't forgotten how salty I was about the factory level that everyone oh, seemed that to love, and I did not. Anyway, that that's a whole different thing to talk about another time. Uh, so I. I'm so glad you made me play this, Laura. Or actually, you didn't make me play this. I downloaded this game myself, dang it. Um, I'm so glad that you suggested this, Laura. Uh, and I'm, uh, I really thought it was a very, this is, a, this is a very the short game type of game. And I, th- I hope our listeners will check it out. It is on the Nintendo Switch. I think it costs $15, is that right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it was some sort of a launch sale or something. Anyway, it was, it was down to 10 for launch, but I think it went up to 15. Yeah. yeah something so like that. It's on steam as well for PC. I don't believe there's a Mac port and I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if this gets ported to a few other things as well. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily like, I wouldn't necessarily wait on that. I'd say if this sounds interesting to you, uh, now's the time to check it out. Um, for, before we outro, uh, I just want, uh, Reagan to know that the factory level from Titanfall to, uh, really set the uh, high bar for level design in a, uh, first person shooter. Um, the, uh, fight with Ash Cooper and BT, uh, was a really cool, uh, I thought that the, the, you know, the, the way that the level warped and changed around you as the, uh, building was being assembled. Uh, it was like it was like being in a crazy funhouse. So I I think that's the last we'll ever hear about Titanfall two on this show because we'll never record about it. Oh. Well, if I I feel like if I play it and like it, then we should be like Laura tries a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I make it sound like I'm a child. I have played shooters in the past. They're no, just you, not my of course you have. Thing. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, maybe someday, Laura, find a shooter that you want to play, and I am totally down to give it a shot. 
so thank you listeners for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, I am Reagan Kelly. You can find me on the internet at Reagan K on Twitter. Uh, and of course you can find our show on the web at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form. That's an easy way to let us know what you think is interesting. Let us know what cool short games are on your radar for 2019. We're still sort of building out our calendar. So very much interested to hear what you have to say about that. Uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at underscore short game uh, where you can hashtag Shane is wrong about Titanfall and uh, we'll be happy to tabulate those and uh, Laura where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash not yelling about Shane in any of my hashtags because I love Shane and his opinions. And Shane where can people find you? Uh, You can find me being right on the internet uh, at 8BitShane and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.